Chicago is more than great food, iconic sports, legendary music, and crooked politicians. It's a community of people who, at their core, care about one another and their city. We're chatting with new and native Chicagoans about all things local on The Chicagoan Podcast. Welcome to The Chicagoan Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Raymer, and today I am joined by Al Perdell. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited. I am too. The moment I was officially introduced to you, I just felt, man, this guy has awesome experience, stories, and so much um, that needs to be shared and heard. So thank you. I hope I live up to the expectation. I think so. (laughs) I think so. So tell me a little bit about you and your, your history with Chicago. How far back does it go? Uh, well, it, it it goes back pretty far. I'm I'm a little on the older side, but yeah, I mean, um, born and raised. Okay. Uh, been here for the majority of my life. I spent a little time, obviously, went away to college, but uh, came right back and really have never left. Mm-hmm. Love Chicago with all my with all my heart. And what part of the city? So I grew up in uh, an area that they now call Bronzeville, and I say they they call now Bronzeville because I'd mm-hmm. never heard that term. Until I was a grown man, we always called it the the low end. Hmm. So anybody that's 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 from where I'm from, they'll know exactly, cool. you know, where we come. But this is South Side of Chicago. Okay, South Side. Yeah. And where did you end up going to school? And and how was your experience with, um, just overall community? And what was your what's your connection to the community now today from back in the day? Well, I mean, the neighborhood that I grew up in was was fairly rough back in the day. Um, nobody will, will, will say differently. Hmm. Uh, I luckily stumbled into, I went to the University of Pennsylvania hmm. in Philadelphia, uh, studied business there, um, came back here. Ironically enough, I had gotten a job in New York. I had done an internship there my last summer, had gotten, an intern- or had gotten a job offer actually working in the World Trade Center. That tells you how, wow. how far back this goes. Um, and maybe stupidly, all I wanted to do was not take the job. Hmm. And I thought that if I, you know, jumped into something and started a business that I wouldn't have to take the job because I would have made so much money. And, uh, the very first real estate deal that I did, uh, we actually did a HUD home real, I mean, I I won't get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, but long story short, we, um, stumbled into buying a HUD home. And if anybody knows about HUD homes, you get 45 days to get a mortgage and all that kind of stuff like that. And I didn't, I forgot about that part. Hmm. So a buddy of mine and I, we literally go to this house that we'd put an offer in, 500 bucks. And for lack of a better way to say it, broke the door down. Broke the door down, go in there. We're like, okay, we have to start rehabbing this property. Hmm. And in my young mind, I thought, if I just rehab this property in the 45 days it takes to before I have to actually execute on it, I can flip it. Long story short, um, I learned very quickly that without a job, you can't get a mortgage, and that was kind of a problem. Uh, luckily, because I just happened to be lucky, the uh, neighbor next door saw what we were doing and bought our contract because she had lived there, she had liked this house, and you know she had been living with her parents. Now she's wanted to move, but she didn't want to move far out of the area. Hmm. So that was my first real estate story, my first success. I ended up taking the job in New York, by the way. Okay. But when I came back, I... Um, but you had a taste for it. I had a success. taste for it. And, and I, it was one of those weird things where I didn't understand lending. Hmm. You know, my job was in investment banking and it was, you know, 
wealth management and all that kind of stuff like that. But the, the, the lending mortgage side of it was kind of intrigued me. And so fast forward, I actually had a, uh, a client that owned a mortgage company. And he, instead of teaching me how to do mortgage, he took me under his wing. And I ended up working for his company uh, for a little while. And then I just kind of rose up the, uh, up the ranks. I never worked in the traditional banking sector. Okay. It was always the private portfolio lending section where you had a lot more freedom, a lot more... It was just a lot. It was, and I'll, I'm not going to lie to you. In the, in the back in the day, it was kind of the wild west. There's a lot of more um, regulations that have come into, into play, hmm. you know, recent years. But it was for uh, for a guy in his twenties. It was it was really really wild. You know. Did you have the opportunity to decide whether you wanted to go more traditional on the lending side or the portfolio side? Did you experience the the other realm at all, or you were like, no, I'm all in on this? Um, you probably want to edit this part out of the uh, out of the the thing. My very first commercial deal was a strip club. Okay, cool, cool. And Where at? It and is was, it still open? <laughs> I don't know if it's still open. I actually haven't been over there. It was called the Skybox. Okay, and so that's a good name. There was a, a company out of and I'm, I'm probably gonna die on this one, but they um, a group owned a, a place called Heavenly Bodies. Okay. And they were buying a, a club that's in the south south suburbs, and as you can probably imagine, it's hard to you know get a loan on a on a strip club. Mm-hmm. And I was tapped with the opportunity, and literally, I did it. Cool. There's a whole story behind that, which is for the the Patreon members, I guess. <laughs> but um, I made like thirty grand. Wow. And you know, you're 25, 26 years yeah. old. You make that amount of money on one deal, and you know what am I going to go work for Chase? Yeah, yeah no. So hooked. it became this 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 constant thing of, you know, in this realm of private lending and private credit and even private equity, um, you just eat what you kill. Hmm. And I, at the time, was a killer. So. Was there anything in your life earlier that sort of connected you to real estate that you can you can sort of bring back like? Yeah, I, this is when I knew I should I should do real estate. I should be in the finance world and and you know build homes or build businesses, what have you. Well, it was it was a funny kind of journey, and this is kind of a, a weird way to answer your question. Um, I had settled on lending, and lending was a really good kind of you know benchmark for me. Where my life turned a little bit, hmm. I was actually having lunch with a friend. Um, we were just friends. But having lunch with a friend that worked in the mayor's office at the time. And she worked for the chief of staff. She was the admin to the chief of staff. Mm. And I guess the chief of staff, who's an older woman, she thought I was there f- to date her admin, mm. right? We were, just, we were really just friends. And so she's, you know, like, tell me about yourself. Where'd you go to school? Like, you know, what's your experience? And all this kind of stuff that, you know, the older woman would ask the, the suitor mm. for her, whatever. And it was on a Friday over the summer. Ironically enough, after that whole exchange, by the time my friend was ready to come have lunch with me, the lady was like, well, what if I buy you guys lunch on Monday and I have him go talk to these people over at the Department of Housing? Hmm. Uh, I say, okay, fine. And end up, you know, on this journey at the Department of Housing Hmm. um, that ironically enough... I had no interest in. My dad had worked in government for years, and mm-hmm. I never had a, a, a taste for government. But 
the proposal in front of me was, listen, you know, we're tearing down a lot of the CHA buildings around the city. Hmm. We're going to build these mixed income communities. Oh, and by the way, the first one we're going to do is, well, they'd already done Cabrini. So Cabrini was the test pilot for it. Cabrini went very well. Hmm. Um, But the next one was going to be my old neighborhood. Hmm. And so it was, wow, like who in their life gets a chance to be a part of a group that's redeveloping your neighborhood, especially in a neighborhood like mine that was, let's just say, challenged. Yeah. You know, so so that's how I really, really got into hardcore real estate because, you know, we're building hundreds, if not thousands of units. Wow. You know. That's crazy. And I bet seeing, being able to put that memory of before and seeing the after and, you know, all the work that goes into it, I bet that was pretty cool. It was. And and my family actually was really a a big part of the community. Um, So you can imagine we're going to these community meetings Hmm. and the community is there ready to to protest, to, you know, talk about gentrification and all the evils. And then I walk in and they're like, oh, my God, that's little Al. I remember, you know, like, you know, the the, you know, squeezing of the cheeks and saying, you know, well, I'm going to listen to what this guy has to say because he knows us. He's one of us. He, mm. if he tells us what's going on, then you know we'll kind of we'll kind of buy it. And there was there was a. It's not just me. I don't want to make it sound like I was the only one there. I mean, right. but, you know, that was kind of what I brought to the to the team. Yeah, yeah. trust. Yeah, trust. And so you know, eventually, that's big. It's yeah. a big part of it. It was. It was. And it was. It was. It was ultra rewarding. It wasn't just a matter of getting up and going to, you know, right. going home at the end of the day, like a city worker. Right, right. Know, so. so what have been some of the other things that you've done for the city from a development perspective or that your team has financed to, to make things happen for the better? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you take a walk down, so I grew up on 35th and, and, and King Drive. If you go west toward State Street, like where IIT kind of ends, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, you could literally see, if you looked south on State Street, 20 blocks of high-density public housing, wow. both Robert Taylor and Stateway. And if you go over there now, they're all gone. Um, the mixed-income community kind of concept uh, didn't really go to full fruition. Okay. Uh, but that's more a matter of, like, the, the housing crash 2008. So we're talking about early 2000s. The CHA relocation began, the, the affordable housing began, and it was going to be capped off with this big market rate push hmm. for housing that once the market rate was ready to be built, the, the market kind of crashed. Hmm. So, and it's still, you know, in its kind of development stage. It's still, you always hear stories about this developer is going to come in and, and, and build it, but, you know, they haven't really done it. But, hmm. you know, it's, it's still going over there and seeing a Starbucks, hmm. you know, is, you know, when I... Could have bought a whole lot of other things back in the day on that same corner. Mm-hmm. Buying a latte is kind of, you know, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> From that to a latte. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they, they probably cost about the same. but uh. <laughs> True, true, <laughs> but, true. Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about your family and the history that you have. Because you said that your, your father was also in, in government. I'm not sure what mom do, does or did. Um, I'd love to hear about that and how they potentially molded and, and shaped you into to coming back and doing yeah, things no doubt, for the community. No so my, uh, it, it's funny, my, my dad was number 10 out of 12 from New Orleans. He uh, 
was ultra, he's probably one of the smartest men I've ever known, hmm. but not very formally educated. He, let's, another story for Patreon, but he uh, kind of had to leave high school abruptly. Okay. And he joined the military, as a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, spent 10 years in the Air Force and eventually came here because his sister had married a, a very successful businessman that had owned a bunch of businesses. Hmm. And so, you know, her younger brother, my dad, came and he did everything from driving limousines for the funeral parlor to, you know, you name it. Whatever he had to do, he, he did it. And eventually um, got a job with the uh, the state doing in the, the public aid department. Okay. So just a middle manager kind of pushing papers. My mom, uh, she's more flamboyant. She was highly educated. Okay. Graduated college, graduated, you know, high school at 16, graduated college at 20, and she was a nurse. So, but, you know, you also got to remember there was a dynamic of, you're talking about the 1950s. She came here in 1952, hmm. and there was a dynamic of racism that existed, whatever. Her first, she first landed in Chicago in Hinsdale. Okay. And the hospital that's now... Um, the Hinsdale, I forget what it's called, used to be a, for lack of a better way to say it, I don't know what the politically correct term is, but hmm. it was a sanitarium. Okay. You know, so mental health wasn't as thoroughly flushed out then as it was now. So they would just pack everybody right. into a house and uh, they would have the the African-American nurses and the nuns. That's where they would cut their, their teeth. She actually... Hmm. Continued to go to school and continued to go to school, and she became a uh, nurse anesthetist. So, okay. like my entire life, I knew her as a nurse anesthetist. She was just the person that put you to sleep. Okay. So, yeah. So that was it. Was it was great? They were a great dynamic. They met. Um, <laughs> they actually met because they both at the time thought about joining the family business of mortuary science. Hmm. Neither of them did it, but it's just that's just kind of how they met. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's a, you know, there was, it was a nice love story. So the community that you grew up in, do you still talk to those people and what, what amazing things have, have they done or any good stories that you could, you could, you could share about that? Oh, there's, there's nothing but great stories there. Um, a lot of the people, there's been a push, you know, as you can, you know, can imagine recently. Um, and I will tell you this, and this is going to sound bad. But growing up, I always looked at that neighborhood as a place to have been from, hmm. right? Not a place to actually live and raise a family. Now I think that 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 feeling is changing in that area. A lot of people that I grew up with are now, you know, selling the homes that they have and buying homes in the old neighborhood. Cool. And so, you know, now there's a big parade that runs along King Drive called the Bud Billiken Parade every year. Okay. And... Uh, it's the largest African-American parade in the country, maybe even the world. And it's, it's, it's you know, we treat it like a homecoming. That's cool. Like we'll come back there and we'll see everybody, meet everyone's kids. Now they're getting a little older, maybe the grandkids. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's just one big festival. And it's, you know, it's just good seeing like where everybody has gone and, you know, yeah. grown and come back. Yeah. Um, the roots that, you know, maybe you're alluding to. Yeah. Our family, or well, my aunt's husband, used to own a bank. He Well, he's passed, long passed away right now. But he and his partners owned a bank okay. in the area. And uh, just 
you know, just seeing sometimes seeing success is enough to give you that boost that, you know, this can happen. It's not really a dream because I know people doing it. And so, yeah, so they were all entrepreneurs. They mm. started a bank, an uh, uh, insurance company, uh, still in the funeral parlor, you know. And so that was, you know, always growing up, like just knowing that. It's, it's weird because I never, as bad as it sounds, we were trained. We were that first generation past civil rights, mm. you know. Like King died literally a, a year and a week before I was born. Wow. And so we were all, you know, we grew up with that, you know, you could be anything, go anywhere, and you could work for all these companies that traditionally mm. never would hire you, you know, 50 years before. Right. And so, and that's bad because a lot of the businesses like, you know, the family bank suffered from that, suffered from both the brain drain and, you know, if I can, if I can get a, a, an account at Chase or, at, you know, LaSalle back in the day now, you know, Harris you know, why would I put my money there? And that's kind of where those kind of neighborhoods suffer. Hmm. So, Who have been some of your uh, mentors or uh, heroes in your life um, that have sort of helped you get to where you are today? Uh, it's just, it's probably too many to, to, to name, but we were talking, you know, off, off camera. Um, now there's this huge, this huge coaching culture where everyone's a coach. Everyone can supposedly teach you something. And I'm not going to really say anything disparaging about that, but the best thing in the world is to have that person that's done it, hmm. that can give you the 10-minute the or less explanation of how it's done, what to watch out for, um, you know, and, 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 and give you an accurate representation, both good and bad, of... Hmm how to approach a, you know, a thing versus it's kind of like, you know, we were talking about, you know, how many videos can you watch to learn how to ride a bike? Right. Right. Yeah. Versus that person is standing next to you committed, just as committed as you are to your success. Hmm. And those are the kind of mentors that I've been blessed to have over the course of my life. Hmm. And what advice would you give to, to somebody looking to go into finance or real estate in general um, to really be successful? Forget the coaches. Forget the the seminar. Forget the, you know, the the, the rah rah. The real estate in any business, there's no rah rah. Mm. You know, there's if if you're going someplace and they're having you stand up, sit down, and clap your hands, and it's more of like a revival. Walk out the door because mm. it's not really. They're not going to teach you anything. The first thing everyone's going to tell you in real estate is to build a team, and you're going to pay those people to be on your team, whether you like it or not. Mm. Um, if you're going to spend $12,000, $25,000 on a real estate seminar, spend that same amount of money to surround yourself with experts. Mm. Retain a lawyer, you know. Mm. Retain, you know, people that are going to not only help you out in your journey, they're going to put you in the same room with all the people that you would want to meet. Right. Well, know. And I feel like, the investment too of the relationship is very powerful over just assuming that people are going to do things for you for free. Like, oh, you know, if you connect me with this person, 
um, you know, I'll give you business. Or if you get, you have to give me a referral first before I can help you. Well, no, if you're with an expert and you spend that time engaging with people that are doing things right and you're investing in that, you can actually turn around opportunity a lot faster than trying to go about it the freeway or yeah, no you know, learn from the gurus, what no have doubt. you. It's just one of those situations, we talked about this earlier, you know, people above you will never give you criticism. They'll only give you advice and, and, and assistance. All those people that are, you know, telling you what you're doing wrong and all this kind of, like a lot of them have never done it themselves. Mm. You know, you go on the the internet and you see all these people like, here's how I made a billion dollars. You didn't make a billion dollars. Get out of here. <laughs> you, you know, you know, you, did. you know, you're, if you, if you've made a million dollars or a billion dollars, you're not going to be sitting wasting your time on TikTok. I agree. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be out there either preserving your capital or, or making more. Hmm. So, like I said, uh, a, a good attorney is at the forefront of, of everything you do hmm. because they will give you not only the best advice, they will put you in the same rooms. Um, you know, and, and, and don't be afraid to buy good memberships. Good memberships don't cost as much as you think they do. Hmm. You know, people always talk about the country club membership that costs, you know, a few mm-hmm. grand. And that's fine. But we're in Chicago. So you don't, you're only playing golf for months out of the year anyway. Right? Yeah. Use that for like, uh, you know, there's a variety of different boys clubs here. We always, I always call them boys clubs and there's women there. It's like Union League Club and mm-hmm. Metropolitan Club and all those kind of clubs like that that are, you know, they have memberships. They're not that expensive. But, um, you know, they'll put you in the same room with all the people that you want to be put in the room with. Hmm. And then just, you know, just be a human. Just meet mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to, to smile and mm-hmm. shake someone's hand. I was talking about, um, you know, the the good and the bad with AI. And one person made this great point. AI cannot build community. Community right. is, is is with humans. You know, it's a, it's a thing that has to be tangible and built by us, right? It doesn't right. exist if, if we're not together. And I think that membership point that you're making has a lot to just do with being in rooms with good community. Right, exactly. That see each other's value and that can uplift each other. What have been some of the, the things that you have done on a non-for-profit basis that you think have really changed the community of Chicago for the better? Any Anything that we should shout out, um, Habitat for Humanity or whatever, that you think have, have done good things development-wise for the community? I'll be very honest with you. I haven't really seen a lot of really good nonprofits, mm-hmm. and that that sounds that sounds very very bad. But um, when I left the city, I was actually tasked with starting a nonprofit. Okay. And six months into it, I ended up leaving because mm-hmm. I didn't feel that they were doing what was really necessary for the community. Here's the nonprofit kind of spiral of death. I'm so glad I asked this question. <laughs> Please. Spiral of death. You have good intentions. Okay. You start the nonprofit. You get all your certifications and your, your IRS designation. And now you have to raise money. Hmm. And everyone that gives you money has an ulterior motive. Not, not, it's not all nefarious. Correct. There are some very good people that have very good intentions. But now you're limited to what you can do based on that. The best things I've done philanthropically, you'll never see on my tax return. Okay. You know, we we had this thing of, and, and it was weird. I'm not the greatest basketball player in the world. I'm actually not a very good basketball player at all. Hmm. Everyone knows that. Everybody shout out to them. <laughs> but um, we had this thing where 
would you rather spend $30 a plate to talk about children or spend 30 minutes with a child? Hmm. And so what we did, we, I went to literally, I went to private schools my whole life. That's not, you know, I'm not saying that to, to be whatever, but there was a local grammar school across the street from me growing up that I never, you know, even walked into. Hmm. When I got older, of a certain age, I went over there, cold call. I like to, you know, coach basketball here. And I spent the next six years at that school and actually I ended up going across the street to the, the next school, the other school. And just coaching basketball. Hmm. And, you know, when it came time for uniforms, you know, we could have done the big fundraiser and, you know, all the nonprofits. But it was like, no. A couple guys that I knew that, you know, grew up in the area. Listen, like we're always talking about we're going to give back. Giving back looks like give me 50 bucks. <laughs> we're going to buy these guys uniforms. We're going to buy buses. We're going to buy whatever it takes. And so that's, you know, the, there's a lot of good f- Philanthropic organizations out there. I just haven't met a lot of them. Okay. But like I said, if 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 that's your thing, spend thirty minutes with a insert the 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 cause versus spending thirty bucks. So tell me, twenty twenty four, let's get it. Yes. Let's get a golden nugget for these people tuning okay. in. What does somebody need to do twenty twenty four to be successful in real estate? What is the one thing that you would suggest that that person does if they're already beginning in real estate or they've they've started and they are they're ready to go full throttle what is that one thing that you would recommend that they do 2024 just know your numbers and it's, it sounds very you know op- opaque but uh, a lot of people want to chase the next wave like I want to do Airbnb I want to do short-term rentals I want to do uh, trailer parks I want to do all these things that they think hmm. is the hottest thing all of those things have been around for for a century there's nothing in real estate that's new. The thing that's new is that, especially with 2024, obviously now you have an election year coming up. Mm-hmm. So everything that's bad is going to be propped up a little bit to make it seem like it's you know the best thing in the world right. and, and all that kind of stuff like that. There's a lot of deals to be had. Know your numbers. Get in there. Stop the training. Uh, my mom used to always say, a lesson paid for is a lesson learned. Mm. You know, yeah. If you want to learn the stock market, don't buy a course. Take hundred dollars, thousand dollars, and put it in the stock Just market. Do it, and I guarantee you, you'll look at that ticker symbol every moment of every minute. Mm. You know, don't spend uh, all this money on getting a coach to teach you how to do real estate. Buy a property. You know, buy a property, yeah. or if you don't have the money or credit to buy a property, get the muscle memory of finding deals for other people that do. Mm-hmm. Because it's all just a, a matter of finding the, the a good deal. And then being able to execute on it. Right. You know, right. There is no magic, magic piece of real estate that's going to, you know, go from, you know, zero to 100. Right. It's, it's a bunch of different steps. Mm-hmm. So Cool. Yeah. So have a team. Have a team. Build a, have team, a team. But build a team organically. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it was so awesome having No you. doubt. I'm glad you had me. Listen, you got to get this guy off recording for 25 minutes because the conversation is awesome <laughs> crazy stories um but also just just good good vibes so thank you thank for you. everything thank that you've you. done for the city and i can't wait to hear all about the great things you're going to do in 2024 oh no doubt thank you i'll keep you posted